the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for January 29th, 2012. And today we are going to be covering a mixture of breaking current events and also some health updates that are also part of the current event system. There's just been a lot of them lately that have come up um, regarding kind of like the devices of Satan, different various and sundry ways that they're trying to knock us off. And I'm um, actually going to be... The, the study itself is only about 13 pages, but the actual PDF that will be online will be 94 pages. Uh, hopefully they'll let me upload something that big, I don't know. Because I'm going to actually mention a lot of things at the very end of the study that I just don't have time to go into. A lot of the, the different various ways, again, that they're uh, devices of Satan targeting our health. And I'm going to include at the end of this study a whole bunch of different Word documents that actually go into those subjects. Um, I'm not going to say they're all exhaustive, but it'll give you a pretty good idea of what we're talking about. And also my presentation, Destroyed for Lack of Knowledge, What Your Doctor's Not Telling You, that's kind of the backbone of it and then a lot of other things added on as well. So the, the PDF is something that you might want to uh, uh, save on your computer and as far as being able to reference it because it's, it's kind of a big overall view. If like there was one thing I could probably send out regarding like health and I could only give you one thing, this PDF for this study would probably be the one I would point you to because it covers a lot of different bases. And uh, before we get into the actual study, just some Bible verses, uh, specifically Bible verses dealing with the fear of God. And uh, this isn't an exhaustive study on it, but just to kind of set the tone for today. Uh, 1 Samuel 12, 24 only the fear, only fear the Lord and serve him in all truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you, which is something we should always have at the forefront of our mind, considering the great things that he's done for us and um, fearing the Lord, serving him in truth with all your heart. Second uh, Corinthians seven one Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Not something you normally will hear quoted very much, wouldn't be a very popular subject in today's, most of today's modern churches. Uh, Psalm 22-23. Ye that fear the Lord, praise Him. So, you'll see a lot of things connected with fear of the Lord in this little study that we're going to be doing. Praising Him, certain things that are kind of connected with the fear of the Lord. Uh, humility is intimately connected with fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord, a byproduct of the fear of the Lord, is humility. Because if you truly fear God, you're going to humble yourself before the Lord. And um, those attributes are really two of the most important attributes, I believe, mentioned in Scripture. Fear of the Lord and humility before the Lord. Um, 
humbling yourself as a little child. And Jesus Christ said, unless you humble yourself as a little child, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. These types of things. So it's very important to, to bear those things in mind because I think that a lot of people, particularly if you're in ministry, it's very easy to get prideful and to lose that fear of the Lord and to humble yourself as a little child before God. It's, it's really easy. I've seen it happen over and over again. And I'm not saying I'm the gold standard or anything, but I know that that temptation is really there. The the the, uh, the uh, maybe the higher up in ministry of one would go to have that temptation for that to happen. Going further, Psalm thirty three eight. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Amen. Uh, that's my goal. I mean, if all the earth truly feared the Lord, there would be mass conversion. See, that's really the true byproduct of fear of the Lord, is conversion. Because if if they truly feared God, then they would want to know about God. I mean, either either it would drive them toward God or drive them away. Put it that way. It's going to do one of two things. Fear of God. Uh, It's going to separate the sheep from the goats, typically. It's gonna it's gonna fear of the Lord will 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 do that. That's why I think it's such an awesome thing, because you kinda know whose team someone's on, you know, when that truly comes over. I mean when Ananias and Sapphira when they were uh, basically struck dead, essentially, in uh, Acts, the byproduct was great fear fell on. The, the people that had seen this, and many were, were saved and converted. And then they ended up getting rid of their uh, implements of witchcraft that they were using. It was the first thing, essentially, they, they did after they got saved. So, that was a very good thing. Just not something you see very much preached on anymore in, again, the modern day uh, corporate churches, particularly in America. So, let's go further here. Okay, Psalm 34, 9, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. So, in this particular verse, you're seeing a connection with fear of the Lord and provision. There is no want to them that fear him. Uh, So that's a, I mean, there's more blessings connected with fear of the Lord than any other thing I could isolate in the Bible. Essentially. And then again, this is not an exhaustive study. This is just some of the major verses dealing with this subject. Psalm 115.11 Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So here we have trust, trusting in the Lord connected with fear of the Lord. And then also the Lord being our help and our shield. Again, provision, protection, these types of things. Which I think is, you know, obviously considering the day and times we're moving into, very important as well. Psalm 115.13 says, He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great, meaning God. So there's just being blessed, uh, both small and great, uh, those that fear the Lord. Psalm 118.4, Let them now that fear the Lord say that His mercy endureth forever. So that specifically said to people that fear the Lord, that his mercy endureth forever. It's like 
fear of the Lord will bring out things in a person, they're going to have a much higher tendency to praise God for His mercy, His grace, His provision, the the salvation that they've obtained through the Lord Jesus Christ, these types of things. It's going to give you a much better perspective on those things. And if you feel as though you lack it, then pray for it. Pray for the fear of the Lord. Uh, let's go further here. Psalm 135.20 Bless the Lord, O house of Levi, ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. So again, blessing the Lord is something that we should be doing. That, you know, on a daily basis. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is, that is within me. Bless His holy name. Um, the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. There's a lot of Bible verses. So there's a lot of connection with praising the Lord, blessing the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and fear of the Lord. All good and it's all connected. So I'm just, I'm kind of trying to point out just some of the obvious things with this subject. Uh, Psalm, or Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes, which would be a form of humility. Not being wise in your own eyes, like thinking, oh, I'm so wise and, wow, look at me. Uh, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. The fear of the Lord is to depart from evil, actually. So that's a um, actually a partial definition of the fear of the Lord. I mean, it's not the only definition, but the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. That's another thing that's connected with it. Uh, Psalm 111.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. So again, we've always heard those verses, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In the next verse, Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this is what makes me so apprehensive about the, I guess, proclaimed people that proclaim themselves Christians, uh, the Bible says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, that's more the norm. I mean, it's, that's what you expect to see with people. And a lot of the time, that's most prevalent in people that are Christians, a, a lot of times, or call themselves Christians. Not to say it's most prevalent, but it's very prevalent. Modern day Corporate 501c3 churches and stuff. There's um, a lot of stuff that never ever gets discussed in the Bible and never talked about, and there's really no desire for it. And um, that's not good. The Bible says in Second Thessalonians chapter two, and for this cause, regarding the end times, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. God's going to be sending it. Exactly in the time we're living in and coming, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, that means go to hell for eternity and then be cast into the lake of fire, doesn't get much more serious than that, that they might all be damned who receive not the love of the truth, the love of the truth. That's why the, this ministry is called contending for truth. I mean, it's just really... The stuff we get into anymore on a weekly basis, it's just, 
It's so easily verifiable. And I'm not saying that, that the, the truth that we get into is, is, is um, like the most important truth, obviously, is the truth of the Word of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, His Word. Okay, But there's a lot of devices of Satan, and there's a lot of people out there that it doesn't seem like they've got any real desire for truth. They've got a desire for almost being like in delusion and staying in their little own little world and not contending for truth and not earnestly contending for the faith and not reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. And I mean, over and over. It's more the norm. But then again, the Bible said it was going to be this way. God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, which is really the norm nowadays. Taking pleasure in unrighteousness. Ignorance is bliss, right? Come on. You know. That's the norm. So, I wish it wasn't that way, but it is, and the Bible predicted it was going to be that way. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13 They're trusting in their own trusting in their own heart, and the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I mean, doesn't the Hallmark Channel tell you to trust in your own heart? Come on. But it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Hmm. That's not good. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool? Hmm. Wow, that's not good. Proverbs 28, 26. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. Ooh, that's not really good. My children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. Hmm, that's not good either. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's the latter times. That's the time we're living in. That's what we should be expecting. Hmm. Wow. But those aren't things you typically hear a whole lot about. You know, they're not popular and stuff and not ear-tickling type stuff. Not everyone, I'm not making a blanket condemnation of all pastors on the planet. I'm just saying for the most part. That's pretty much the norm. Uh, so, Jesus Christ warned over and over and over regarding the end times in particular to be not deceived. There's so many devices of Satan now. And that's all we really talk about on a weekly basis and we're going to be talking about it again today. Um, so let's go further here. Uh, fear the Lord's beginning of knowledge. And again, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. So, if you have somebody and they are like, yeah, I want all the knowledge, all the understanding, and all the wisdom from God, I can get. But if they don't want fear of the Lord, they're not going to get it. They're going to get off in some tangent, off in some little, whatever, cult belief system. I've seen it happen over and over again. They're going to get away from the Word of God. They're going to take, like, you know, oh, God told me this. Oh, my word. Yeah, he told you that, and he didn't tell anybody else on the face of the planet ever. Just you, because you're so special. And they get into these heretical belief systems, and this is how cults get started. A lot of people, they get thinking they're really, really special. 
Bible says, you know, the Bible talks about think, thinking not of yourself more highly than you ought. Consider the pit from whence you were dug. These types of verses. What is that? That's humility. And again, humility and fear of the Lord are totally connected. Uh, fear of the Lord will breed a byproduct, a major byproduct is humility. Uh, so, not false humility, real humility. When we understand our that our position with the Lord and all that He's done for us and, and His omnipotence and His omniscience and all of His attributes, that should produce the fear of the Lord. So let's go further. Uh, let's see. Okay, the fear of the Lord. Okay, for they hated, for that they hated knowledge, this is Proverbs one twenty nine. for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So again, here we have, now this isn't just any knowledge. Okay, the Bible says in Daniel that in the end times knowledge will increase. And that's where we're at. But a lot of the knowledge that's out there is like either worthless or false or cultic or lies or deception. So just because knowledge is increasing doesn't mean that truth is necessarily increasing. And this is why I typically don't point people to a like, oh yeah, you got to read this book. you got to... You know, my time's limited enough. I, it's, I'm... I'm Gonna be. I'm gonna point people to the Word of God. I'm gonna point people to the King James Bible in the English speaking language. That's where I'm gonna point them to. Because you know, I'm just very reluctant to start getting because I'm afraid. I mean, pointing people into these other areas is actually taking time away many times from your study in the Word of God, which I wouldn't want to do. I wouldn't want to do that. I'm not saying there's 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 no good books or, or things of that nature. But I think the primary thing we need to be concerned about is the Word of God. Um, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's one in Psalm 119, I believe, verse 9 and 11. Uh, the, just, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's where we're actually going to get our light and our understanding and our knowledge and our wisdom. From, from the supernatural, living Word of God. And the Bible says in 1 John, or not 1 John, but John 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. We beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten Son. So, Jesus Christ is the Word. And again, this is why I think we should be fixated on the King James Bible and the English-speaking language. And, and I mean, obviously I've done a, a lot of studies on why the King James Bible for the English-speaking language is the Bible we, we need to be reading. These other ones are New Age Bible versions. I essentially refer to them as the NIV and all the other versions. And if you doubt that, just key in KJV in the search box it, contendingfortruth.com. I've done a whole bunch of studies. Just don't have time to get into that today. But it is a very, very, very important issue. I mean, if the Word of God is a living book and, and, and Jesus Christ is, is literally 
described as the Word, we want to make sure we're reading the right Word. They're not all co-equal. The Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. Well, does God have like all the, the versions that come out up in heaven? Oh, hold on, hold the presses. There's another version that just came out. The inclusive version. Oh, yes, we have to add that one to the cacophony of versions up in heaven. No, it says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. There's just one word. There's just one. There's not, like, multiple translations. So, you want to make sure, you know, whatever you're reading, it matches what the closest thing that is in heaven. That's the point. So, let's go further. Uh, uh, let's see here. Okay, uh, Proverbs 2.1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my, my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply, apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth, liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seek her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. So notice that there's four verses before verse five when it says, "Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord." But what are it's it's in in a certain way it is conditional in these verses, receiving His words, hiding His commandments. Um, Again, thy word have I hid in my heart, would that I might not sin against thee. Well, this is this implies scriptural memorization, essentially. Um, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, there's all of these verses prior to verse 5, where it says, Then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord, receiving his words, hiding his commandments, Inclining your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding, crying after knowledge, lifting up your voice for understanding, seeking her as silver, searching for her as for hid treasures. Then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord. So these are some other things that might help you in that quest for the fear of the Lord. Um, and then in finding the knowledge of God. But again, how do you do that? you got to get in the word of God. Not necessarily in some book or whatever, and fixating on author after author, which the Christian bookstores would love you to do. <laughs> I mean, it's usually apostasy central you go into those places. I don't even like to go in, about the only time I'll ever go in those places is if I need like a Bible highlighter. You know, it's about the only reason I have to go in there. And you know, I go in there anymore in these places, and they've got their own little Catholic section. I love that. Love the yoking up with with the uh, the whore, the Catholic whore. I love that. I mean, it just warms the cockles of my heart when I see all the little stuff and all the little cursed objects and stuff like that. It's match made in hell. Uh, but other than that, don't think I'm biased. I mean, I don't want to give you that impression. Come on. So anyway, Proverbs eight thirteen: The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. That's in a way that's a partial definition. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 
But we don't, a lot of times you don't think about it that way. You think of fear of the Lord. Oh, well, okay, whatever. Or somebody not, not wanting to know about it. But it's, it's to hate evil. Uh, it's also to hate pride, arrogancy, and the evil way. And the froward mouth do I hate. Froward mouth would be like an evil, perverse mouth. Uh, these are things that you will tend to hate as a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. So, fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, evil way, and the froward mouth. Do I hate? Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Psalm 34.7 The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Wow! Praise the Lord for that. That implies angelic protection. Fear of the Lord. Hmm. What if you don't fear the Lord? Well, is the angel of the Lord going to camp around about you? Oh, he's just the big guy in the sky. He's the heavenly bellhop. How a lot of people refer to him as. The man upstairs. Love that one. God is my co-pilot. All of these quippy, like irreverent little catchphrases you'll see on bumper stickers and stuff like that. He's not... There needs to be more reverence. Really a lot more reverence. I, I think it's way too irreverent the way the, the body of... Uh, or or the, the modern day, particularly church, views God. I see some of these clips that are either sent to me or I find on what is going on in these new, hip, modern-day churches. And I mean, oh my word. It's like I would be so terrified that God would strike me dead if I did half the stuff that these people are doing in the church. I mean, they're like nightclubs now, these places. There's so much blasphemous stuff I see online. I can't cover it all. So many things so totally blasphemous and out of order and irreverent and it's the norm. Just done to please men. I think a lot of those people are just flat out Satanists. They're just put in the church. It's so easy to infiltrate. The church is already infiltrated. It's just now different levels. That John Crowder guy, I don't know how God doesn't strike him dead or or any of his ilk. That guy is so blasphemous. I, I can't even watch the videos. You know, token the Holy Ghost, where they act like they're actually inhaling the Holy Ghost, and then they have their godka, like vodka play on words, where they'll take Catholic holy water and drink it. They have these parties and these rave parties, and they're like, token the Holy Ghost with, I don't know, fake bongs or something? I don't really know. And, and then they've got literally shot glasses that they're pouring holy water, Catholic unholy water into, and drinking their godka. It gets more blasphemous every time I see clips from the guy. Now, if, and I do believe there's going to come a day when God puts an end to this and, and starts raining down his fury as he so richly and rightly deserves to do on this unbelievable, utter blasphemy. 
what's going to happen when God starts to do that? Will people get closer to God? Or will they get farther away? Well, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have one of effect of one or two things. Either people are going to scatter like, you know, uh, the evil will scatter like cockroaches type of deal. But the people that maybe were um, just deceived, I do believe that, like the Bible talks about in Psalm 64, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. And all men shall see and fear and declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider his doing. Well, they they see and they fear and they declare the work of God after God shoots at them with the arrow. That's what was the actual, and the whole first part of Psalm 64 is talking about the wicked. And praying that God would hide you from the secret counsel of the wicked and from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. And, and But God shall shoot at them with an arrow and suddenly shall they be wounded. So they shall make their own tongues to fall upon themselves. When that comes back on like a guy like Crowder, I wouldn't want to be within like a hundred miles. I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm like whatever. But man, that guy is so beyond... I mean, dressing up like a monk and... Porn token, whatever. Oh, so blasphemous, so irreverent, so evil. And then all the blabbering and, and idiotic, asinine behavior that goes along with that as well. The the demonic tongues that they get into. Oh, these people have no fear of God whatsoever. And because they're allowed to do this. It gets worse. People think, well, hey, you know, um, I guess that this is holy or something, and they and they and they end up following this. And, and there's all these people wrapped up in this stuff. I mean, that's an extreme fringe of the charismatic movement. I mean, not they're not all that wacky. And I've been there, done it with the charismatic movement. So I'm not judging. I'm just saying I've been there, done it. But I never did that stuff. I mean, they're, they're doing stuff now that, that, I mean, is so far beyond anything that I ever saw in the charismatic church. But it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. They're going to eventually, it'll get, I really believe it'll get to the point where they're literally having, like, orgies in the church. I really believe it'll get to that point. It will get, because Satan is never going to let up. He's, it's never going to be enough for Satan there's never going to be enough blasphemous activity to satisfy Satan. It will never get to that point. And as a result of that, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And this is the strong delusion that God is sending, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I mean, if you're taking shots of Godka and believing that you're token the Holy Ghost and, and I mean, you're you're having some serious pleasure in unrighteousness. And I do believe that most of those people, their consciences have been seared with a hot iron, and they have been totally given over to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and they're speaking lies and hypocrisy. I mean, it's very obvious what's going on there. They have no... Uh, they glory in their shame, as the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. They should have been turned over to Satan. If the church was properly interpreting 1 Corinthians chapter 5, turn, turn, and this was about somebody in the church that had taken his father's wife, I believe it was his 
stepmom to be his wife. So it'd be like the father's the 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 son of the father. He'd taken his stepmom to be his wife, and the Bible says that they that church was the church in Corinthians was glorying in their shame. They were saying, "Oh, this is a wonderful thing." But the Bible says that when you're gathered together to turn such an one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. Okay, what's the purpose of that? Well, that the soul may be saved, but also as an example to the rest of the church. And an example to be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers and, and to purge this person out of the church. That doesn't happen anymore. You, I mean, the churches are so leavened and so infiltrated and so... They're so far gone. The the the, the vast mass majority of the modern day, and I, I only have America to speak of. I understand I have a lot of listeners in a lot of other countries, and I don't want to leave any of you out, but you have to understand, this is my only thing I have to compare it to. I haven't been to these other countries. I know that we have, America probably has more influence, though, on the rest of the world than any other spot on the planet. So we're more highly accountable to whom much is given, much is required. As the Bible says. So, it's a fearful thing when you start looking at this stuff. And, um, these people need to be turned over to Satan. Just key in, um, Satan or turning over to Satan in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com. If you want to know about Psalm 64 and imprecatory prayers, which is something that also is never hardly ever talked about, just key in Psalm 64. In the search box at continuefortruth.com. I mean, just stuff that's hardly ever, ever preached on. That, like, I heard like one time and it just really resonated with me. And then when I started applying it in my life, I'm talking huge impact in your life. But a lot of these are things that have been kind of suppressed and hidden. I think Satan has been the one that's really been instrumental in hiding a lot of the things that the Bible clearly states that we're supposed to do and keeping us ignorant of the Word of God on a lot of different levels. Let's go further. Uh, Boy, I really lost my spot here. Uh, Okay, so... um, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. It's a proven fact that the, the uh, gay population, at least I know in America, I think their average lifespan is like 52 or something. It's like a good 20 to 25 years less than the average. Oh, why isn't that on the front of every newspaper? Why isn't that? Oh, it's not politically correct. We, we want to keep people ignorant of Satan's devices. That's why. Satan wants to keep you ignorant of that. Mm, yeah, just like the thing about where it was proven that they were. That I had done that study on the Susan G. Komen and what a joke that is, and, and how that the main factor for breast cancer is a previous abortion. A previous abortion? Yes, absolutely. And then also birth control, because that wreaks havoc on the on the, the that estrogen is a bad estrogen. It's not the natural estrogen in your body. And it, you know, and it also causes abortions. Birth control, the pill, those types of things, 
are abortifactants. It doesn't mean they always cause abortions, but they, they many times they interfere with the implementation implantation of a fertilized egg. That's an abortion. So you might have somebody that's been on the pill for all these years as a born again Christian, twenty years. They might have they might have actually literally had who knows. What if they had fifty abortions or something? They didn't even know about it. Well, were they destroyed for lack of knowledge? Were they ignorant of Satan's devices? Yeah. Second Corinthians two eleven. Lest Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And they've unknowingly brought a curse on themselves. Do you think Satan wants you to know about that curse you've unknowingly brought on yourself? Or do you think he would want you to know about it so you could repent of it and get right with God? No, no, no. He wants to keep you in absolute total darkness. Because he's the father of lies. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to keep you totally ignorant of his devices. There's more devices of Satan now than I would almost guarantee you in any other time of human history, including Noah's day. More more devices of Satan. More ways that, that he deceives people and takes people out in who do you think he would want to focus on the unsaved who he's already got or what he want might even want he want to focus on his you know the body of Christ on earth well sure so yeah one of the two greatest risk factors for for uh, breast cancer and cancer in general in women is the pill and abortions I believe it's you know a lot of a lot of people that have done that have unknowingly brought curses on themselves. You reap what you sow, no matter what. Even after you get saved, you still reap what you sow. So, let's go further. But again, I tell this not to be mean. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians 4.16 But most of the time, if you do tell somebody the truth, they'll either blow you off or you will become their enemy. Oh well, your life's not a popularity contest as a Christian. Jesus Christ said, think, you know, think, think not that I come to bring peace, but I come to bring a sword. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. Mother against father. Now, this is because the, the true word of God applied in someone's life tends to divide people. Truth tends to divide people. It's better to be divided in truth than united in error. And that's the norm in the actual 501c3 church now. They're united in error. They're united in heresy most of the time. So, going further. Uh, the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. So that has to do with also faith, strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. Again, another provision verse. Now, again, the reason I bring these things up too is because I think we're getting ready to go into the darkest time. That the that, And I think the Bible bears that out, that the world's ever known. I mean, we're, we're going into it, and I think there's going to come a point when the dam breaks, essentially. And, and I mean, things get real bad real quick, and it's going to happen, and internet's going to be gone, and I mean, we're going to talk about that today. They've got everything in place for that. And we're not going to have, um, the night cometh when no man can work, as Jesus said, okay? We're, we're, we're going into that, and when that happens, it could happen any day. It's, a, it's a, a wonder to me that I've been able to be on the air as long as I have. Absolute wonder. I was researching last night, and 
at the end of the study, I get into, like, just, I'm just going to rattle off a whole bunch of ways they're trying to kill us. They, whoever you want to call them, the elite, the globalists, the powers that be, the Illuminati, whatever you want to refer to them as, they are trying to kill us. Really, it's Satan at the top of the food chain and his fallen angels and then the people on earth that are doing his bidding, essentially. That's what we always have to really keep in mind. Because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes and principalities and rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So that's we always need to keep our eyes on that as well. But I did this keyword search last night um, of, I just said, ways they are trying to kill us. My teaching came up number one. Like, it was like number one and number three and number four. Because I did that teaching not too long ago, 19 ways they're trying to kill us. Oh, there's so many more than 19. <laughs> there's literally thousands, really, if you actually would break down every one. But uh, I was like, wow. And that's, oh, praise the Lord. I, but I just realized how the Lord has protected um, myself, my daughter, this ministry. Uh, very humbling. Very humbling. So, let's go further here. Um, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. This is Proverbs 14, 27. Now, this is at the start of the PDF for January 29th, 2012. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Proverbs fifteen sixteen. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. So that has to do with being, be content with such things as you as you have. For he has said, "I will never leave you, leave you or forsake you." So, being content with food and raiment, you know, as the Bible says. Um, so, going further here, the fear uh, Proverbs fifteen thirty three. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. So see, humility precedes honor. A haughty spirit, conversely, a haughty spirit goeth before destruction. But honor comes before, humility becomes before honor. Kind of the opposite of the way the world's set up. You know? Proverbs 16.6 By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Hmm. That's interesting. By mercy and truth, iniquity, sin, is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Again, that's a byproduct of the fear of the Lord, departing from evil. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. The Bible also says the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. So, whatever job that we have should tend to life. You know, I mean, if you say you're a born-again Christian, you're flying a chemtrail plane, there might be a problem there. You know? Um, you understand what I'm saying now, hopefully. So, fear of the Lord tend to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Again, provision, protection, Proverbs 22.4 By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Wow. But see, those, I mean, if God, if, if a person were to get that, God would know they could handle that. 
riches, honor, if they were operating in true humility and fear of the Lord, then that type of person can be blessed with those things. You know, like Job, um, and these types of things. Ecclesiastes 8, 12. Though a sinner do evil an hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. So, that's, I just wanted to go over those verses there, uh, and um, kind of give us a little Bible study before we start into the study here. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started into the teaching, and this is entitled... Uh, POTUS, meaning President of the United States, gets a failure to appear. This is a hundred times bigger than Watergate. Of course, it'll probably never get to the mainstream media. But, a packed courtroom, minus the President of the United States and his attorney, uh, as Obama was a no-show, grabbing a failure to appear in the case suggesting Obama himself is not a natural-born citizen. Although this comes as no surprise to well-researched individuals, it is startling that the almighty dictator can literally skip out on court. Those who filed suit are claiming that Obama should be kept off the primary ballot in Georgia for the presidential re-election in November 2012. Obama commission says these claims have no merit. I mean, this devil didn't even, he was subpoenaed to go to court. He doesn't even show up, him or his attorney. He's so rogue and above the law, he's like, I'm not even going to show up, I don't care. Whatever you do. One witness testified that Obama's father is not a U.S. citizen, but a citizen of Africa, which they proved through his birth certificate. And others testified to the fact that Obama is using a fraudulent Social Security number, most likely issued by the CIA, as he is a CIA asset, as previously covered by the Intel Hub, and there's a link there you can click on. This, an excerpt from the AGC reads, quote, This court has the authority to take appropriate steps steps to punish him in contempt. This is Obama they're talking about. That was said by State Representative Mark Hatfield, a Waycross Republican who represented two men from Duluth and Morrow who had filed challenges. Orly Taints, who filed suit and has been instrumental in the proceedings, stated to a local news station and others, quote, he is a complete fraud. He is using a forged birth certificate. He is using a stolen social security number. The man is making a joke out of this country. End of quote. Man, God bless her for, for, for her backbone. Last Saturday, she stated as reported in the Miami Herald, quote, This will be 100 times bigger than Watergate. There are high-ranking judges and federal officials who are involved in this cover-up. The ramifications of this trial will be enormous. But he's in a catch-22, meaning Obama's in a catch-22. He is appealing, if he appeals this decision, then he looks guilty. The whole nation understands this man is a fraud, end of quote. Let's just play a little news clip from this, because this was on the local news. Uh, there's a couple different clips, I'm just going to play this one. This morning, attorneys wrapped up a hearing on a birther allegation that could keep President Barack Obama off the Georgia primary ballot. Channel 2's Carol Sparge was there and is live in downtown Atlanta with the plaintiff's fight against the president. Carol. Well, for those who filed the lawsuits, had requested that President Obama and his attorney be here in the 
courtroom this morning. They did not show up. The plaintiffs say that President Obama is not really a U.S. citizen. It was a packed courtroom, and those who filed suit alleging President Obama is not a U.S. citizen and should be kept off the primary ballot in Georgia because of that. One witness testified that President Obama's father wasn't a citizen. He was a citizen of Africa. Others testified there were signs that President Obama had a fraudulent social security number. The counsel to the president has asked the Georgia Secretary of State to intervene and bring these lawsuits to a halt, arguing that courts have already determined across the country and other courts that there's no validity to these claims. Those representing those filing suit argue otherwise. This man is a complete fraud. He is using a forged birth certificate. He is using a, a, a stolen social security number. Uh, this is uh, unacceptable. This man is just uh, making a joke out of this country. And that was the attorney, one of the attorneys that filed suit. Now the judge asked all of the attorneys to file briefs by February 5th. He is then expected to make a ruling after that. We are live in downtown Atlanta, Carol Sparks, Channel 2 Action News. Uh, I'm sure there'll be unbelievable pressure exerted on that judge to toe the line and, you know, to, you know, not pursue this or dismiss the case or whatever. Uh, but I do think that when things like this happen and truth like this gets out, it is good to expose it to try to get it out there to get people to understand uh, what's going on here. Now, Jer- Jerome Corsi of World Net Daily writes, The historic hearing was the first time that a court has accepted arguments on the merits of the controversy over the Obama status. His critics say he never met the constitutional requirements to occupy the Oval Office. I mean, he didn't meet them on so many different levels, it's unbelievable. And the states and the Congress failed in their obligations to make sure only a qualified president is inaugurated. His supporters, meanwhile, argue he won the 2008 election, and as a result was vetted by America. That means nothing, just because he supposedly won, and the whole election was rigged, like all of the main elections are, and we've proven that in previous studies as well. Uh, there's a little link here. Discover what the Constitution's reference to a, quote, real natural-born citizen means and whether Barack Obama qualifies in the ebook version of, quote, where's the real birth certificate? Uh, the hearing, going back to the article, the hearing was before Judge Michael Malahy of the Georgia State Office of State Administrative Hearings. In Georgia, a state law requires that every candidate for federal office who is certified by the state executive committees of a political party or who files a notice of candidacy shall meet the constitutional and statutory qualifications for holding the office being sought. The following excerpt is a blow-by-blow report of the courtroom proceedings that took place in Georgia by Craig Anderson. Now, I cut a, I cut a lot of this out. You can click on the actual original link if you want to see it. Um, given the testimony from... Today's court case in Georgia, Obama has a lot of explaining to do. His attorney, last name Jablonski, uh, was a no-show, of course, as was Obama. The following, in a nutshell, was uh, of the proceedings here. Uh, promptly at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, all attorneys involved in the Obama-Georgia eligibility case were called to the judge's chambers, they were in there for like 20 minutes. This was indeed very interesting beginning to the long-awaited and imported case. The case revolved around the natural-born clause 
of the Constitution and whether or not Obama qualifies under it to serve. So this is going beyond his birth certificate. This actually has to do with his dad's birth certificate, which they actually had copies of and proof of. Okay, they had that there through freedom of information. Uh, more to the point, if found ineligible, Obama's name would not appear on the 2012 ballot in Georgia. Obama himself, who had been subpoenaed to appear, of course, was nowhere near Georgia. Instead, Obama was on the campaign swing, appearing in Vegas and Colorado, ignoring the court in Georgia. Over the last several weeks, Obama's attorney, Michael Jamblowski, had attempted several tactics to keep this case from moving forward. He first tried to have it dismissed. Then he argued that it was irrelevant, irrelevant to Obama. After that, he argued that the state could not, under law, determine who would or who would not be on the ballot in later. It's just like the guy's just making stuff up. That, and then Obama was just simply too busy with his offices, uh, with the duties of his office to appear. He's doing too much evil to appear. I mean, the guy's really bit on doing as much evil as humanly possible, and he's busy. You know, he's Satan's little helper. So, after all these arguments were dispatched by the Georgia court, Obama's attorney, in desperation, wrote to the Georgia Secretary of State, attempting to place Obama above the law, and declared that the case was not to be heard, and neither he nor his client would participate. Secretary of State Brian Kemp fired back a letter hours later telling Jim Blosky that he was free to abandon the case and not participate, but that he would do so at his and his client's peril. They're using some pretty strong language back to them. So when the court was called to order, Obama's birth certificate was entered into evidence, and then Obama's place of birth, uh, Obama's father's place of birth. Now, Obama was born in Kenya as well. I mean, there's tons and tons of proof of that. He was not born in Honolulu, Hawaii, or whatever. Uh, but anyway, Obama's father's place of birth, uh, Kenya, East Africa, has entered into evidence. And they, they've got his birth certificate and everything to prove it. Uh, pages 214 and 215 of Obama's own book, entitled Dreams from My Father, were entered into evidence and highlighted. This is where Obama indicates that in 1966 or 1967 that his father's history is mentioned. It states that his father's passport had been revoked and he was unable to leave Kenya. Why? Because he was a Kenyan citizen. Immigration service, Services documents entered in evidence regarding Obama Sr. on June 27, 1962 is the date on those documents. Obama's father's status shown as a non-citizen of the United States. Documents were gotten through the Freedom of Information Act. See, this is a total deal breaker. And this is why I think Obama wants nothing to do with this. And is just ignoring this. Because this is a, you know, I understand the government's totally rogue and, and everything. But it, it's a pretty big major issue here. Testimony regarding the definition of a natural born citizen is giving, citing, uh, in the court case, Minor versus Happerset, the opinion from a Supreme Court written in 1875. The attorney points out the difference between citizen and natural-born citizen using charts and copies of the Minor versus Happerset opinion. It is also pointed out that the 14th Amendment does not alter the definition or supersede the meaning of natural-born. It is pointed out that the lower court rulings do not conflict with the Supreme Court opinion, nor do they overrule the Supreme Court case of minor versus Happer set opinion. 
The point is, to be a natural-born citizen, one must have two parents who, at the time of birth in question, be citizens of the United States. This was never the case with Obama. See what I mean about this being a real big deal-breaker? As Obama's father was not a citizen, the argument is that Obama constitutionally is totally ineligible to be president. The judge notes that as Obama nor his attorney is present, action will be taken accordingly. Well, I wanted to make you aware of that. And, uh, you know, just, it's definitely something that uh, needs to come out. I mean, this truth does need to be main, main, mainstream. And uh, I don't have any idea how this is going to turn out, but uh obviously it's hard not to be it's hard hard to be optimistic in any way shape or form but um this is something that if you feel so led to pray about um you know i would do that let's go to the next point here because we're kind of going to stay on this obama theme today a little bit in in regards to uh, some of the draconian things that are being set in place and a lot of this all gets back to uh obama so this is entitled ACTA, Global Internet Censorship. Now even foreign governments will be able to have your website shut down. Now, Global Internet Censorship is here. SOPA and PIPA, which is what I had sent out the emails on recently in the uh, email list. Uh, SOPA and PIPA have been stopped, at least for now, in the United States. But a treaty known as ACTA, or the Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement, is far worse than either of them. ACTA was quietly signed by Barack Obama back on October 1st, 2011. And most Americans have never even heard of it. So in other words, ACT and SOPA, or, um, I'm sorry, SOPA and PIPA, the other, uh, the other uh, legisl uh, legislations out there, which were stopped. This thing is so much worse than either of them, and it's already been signed. It's already been signed back in October by Obama. It could mean the end of the Internet as we know it. This new treaty gives foreign powers, foreign governments, and copyright owners incredibly broad powers. If you are alleged to have a violated violated a copyright, your website can be shut down without a trial, and the police may even show up at your door to take you to prison. I'm not making this stuff up. We're going to verify all this. It doesn't even have to be someone in the United States who is accusing you. It just could be a foreign government or a copyright owner halfway across the world that alleges that you have violated a copyright. It doesn't matter. So far, the U.S. and the E.U. and seven other nations have signed on to ACTA, and the number of participants is, is expected to continue to grow. The, quote, powers that be are obsessed with getting Internet censorship one way or another, to get their big brother Internet censorship. The open and free Internet that you and I have been enjoying for these years is about to change, and not for the better. So how come the U.S. Senate never voted on ACTA? Doesn't the U.S. Constitution mandate that all treaties must be approved by a two-thirds vote in the Senate? Well, of course it does. But Barack Obama had gotten around this by calling ACTA a, quote, executive agreement, which is a load of garbage. So he got, you know, he got around it. 
Unfortunately, this is the kind of nonsense we are getting out of Obama on a regular basis. He has shown endless disdain for the Constitution. Some members of the Congress are expressing deep alarm over ACTA. For example, U.S. Representative Darnell Isa is calling ACTA, quote, more dangerous than SOPA. There are some members of Congress that are even demanding that ACTA be submitted to the U.S. Senate for a vote. Unfortunately, their voices are very few and few so far, and ACT is getting next to no coverage in the mainstream media. So everybody went bonkers over the SOPA and the PIPA thing, got that shut down, at least temporarily. But ACT has already been enacted, and it's getting no, no, no coverage, essentially, on the internet, or, or in mainstream media at all. The new treaty is very, very serious. It basically mandates that all internet communication be constantly monitored for copyright infringement. Sites like YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter will have to monitor accounts for copyright infringement 24 hours a day. If you are alleged to have committed a violation, you might not just lose your social media account or your website. You could potentially be sent to prison. This is serious. What we are talking about is a Chinese-style internet censorship for the entire globe. The new rules proposed in ACTA essentially transform Western ISPs, or internet service providers, into something more along the lines of ISPs in China and other more restrictive nations. One of the worst elements of ACTA is that it would allow accusers of copyright infringement to completely and totally bypass judicial review. They just allege something against you, and you know... Here comes the Nazis. If you don't think that ACTA will change the internet, just check out the following excerpt from a recent article by Paul Joseph Watson, where it said, Under the provisions of ACTA, copyright holders will be granted sweeping direct powers to demand ISPs remove material from the internet on a whim, whereas ISPs normally are only forced to remove content after a court order. All legal oversight will be abolished. A precedent that will be applied globally rendering the treaty worse in its potential scope for abuse than SOPA or PIPA. Big sites like YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter may just decide that it's too much of a hassle to monitor millions of pieces of content. Allowing users to constantly post content on their sites would be a huge risk. In fact, if they are found to be allowing copyright infringement, those sites could be permanently shut down as well. The American people need to get educated about this new treaty before it's too late. There is still a chance that we could get the U.S. Congress to take action against this new treaty. Under ACTA, Congress, you know, being one of the most corrupt institutions on the planet Earth, though, under ACTA, the Internet service providers will essentially be required to become the police of the Internet. This was explained in a recent article by Corey Doctorow, you know, like, And again, the night cometh when no man can work. This is just more evidence of that, of what's actually coming down the line. This article that we're going to be citing says, New revelations on ACTA, the Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement, a secretive global copyright being privately negotiated by rich countries away from the... away from the UN. ACTA will require ISPs to police trademarks the way they currently police copyright. That means that if someone accuses you of violating a trademark with a web page, blog post, video, tweet, etc., your ISP will be required to nuke your material, meaning 
you know, destroy it, get it off, nuke your material without any further proof, or be found to be responsible for any trademark violations along with you. And, of course, trademark violations are much harder to verify than copyright violations, since they often hinge on complex, fact-intensive components, meaning that ISPs are that much more likely to simply take all complaints at face value, leading to even more easy censorship of the Internet with nothing more than a trumped-up trademark claim. One of the big problems with ACTA is that it is way too broad and way too vague. Vague language allows authorities to interpret the law any way they see fit. This can often lead to selective enforcement. Websites that, like, that authorities like, oh, websites that authorities like will be left alone while those that they don't like will be harassed or completely shut down. You can see where that would uh, come into play very easily. The, the websites, the alternative media, the ones that they deem enemies of the New World Order, well, obviously they're going to be the ones that are, are just, you know, totally targeted. And the ones that are promoting Satan's agenda, it doesn't matter what kind of violations they're going to have, they're going to be the ones left alone. You can see this is the way this is going to play out. So ACTA was written in secret and has been published, pushed through very, very quietly. The following comes from a recent CNN article, and there's a link to that. Like many trade agreements, ACTA is a confusing mess. Even its signatories don't agree on how it's supposed to work. The way it's, it sounds like the IRS. Anyway, the way it's been pushed forward and has been unruly. Talks have been held in secret without any kind of legislative oversight or input from citizens or public interest groups. I mean, this sounds fair to me. I mean, what, I don't know about you, you all. This sounds perfectly fair. The public only became aware of it in 2008, a couple of years after discussions began, when WikiLeaks published a discussion paper. Reportedly, though, big media and pharmaceutical lobbyists have been privy to the talks all along. Oh, the pharmaceutical, the pharmacia, the sorcery uh, lobbyists. Huh. I can't imagine that they would be involved in anything evil. I, I mean, the ones that are responsible for all the, you know, drugs and vaccines and fun stuff like that worldwide. Of course, this is a chance for big media and big corporations to, t- to take control of the Internet. The way ACT has been pushed on us has been absolutely disgusting. In fact, one key EU official that was in charge of investigating ACTA has resigned in protest over how the whole thing has gone down. He says ACTA is basically being crammed down the throats of the European people. Well, them and all the other nations that are taking this on. He said, quote, I want to denounce in the strongest possible manner the entire process that led to the signature of this agreement. No inclusion of civil society organizations, a lack of transparency from the start of the negotiations, repeated postponing of the signature of the text without an explanation ever being given, exclusion of the EU's Parliament's demands that were expressed on several occasions in our Assembly. In other words, those are things that are that he was mad about. As the reporter of this text, I have faced never-before-seen maneuvers from the right wing of this Parliament to impose a rushed calendar before public opinion could be alerted. Do you see how slime, slimy... This is how evil and how much, how important this is. This guy said, and this guy is a member of, you know, uh, he's, an, he's a key European Union official who resigned, saying this is being crammed down our throat. He said, I have never 
faced, I have faced never before seen maneuvers from the right wing of parliament to impose a rushed calendar before public opinion could be alerted. I mean, this thing's got Satan's hoof prints all over it. Thus depriving the parliament of its right of expression and of the tools at its disposal to convey citizens' legitimate demands. This agreement might have major consequences on citizens. Might? Oh, my word. Where do you hear this stuff? This is unbelievable. It might have major consequences on citizens' lives, and still everything is being done to prevent European Parliament from having its say in this matter. That is why today, as I release this report for which I was in charge, I want to send a strong signal and alert the public opinion about this unacceptable situation. I will not take part in this masquerade. Uh, for much more on ACTA, please watch this remarkable video. I'm going to play that real quick here. It does a great job of explaining exactly what ACTA is and why we need to be so concerned about it. The world is changing, and the internet is changing. And if you don't speak up now, the internet as we know it today may be soon gone for good. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and end part one here, because I'm just about out of time. And we'll start part two with this video, and then another video. And they get into this, because I have not done this subject justice as of yet. There's more you need to hear about this, okay? You might think, okay, well, I know all I need to know about it right now. No, you really don't, because there's more to this story. There's more behind this. There's more interconnectedness that I just was shaking my head when I saw this information. So I'm going to end part one here, and we'll go to part two next. God bless you. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N. D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.